and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Jackie Bloom, I am so excited to have you as an interview guest on She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to this. Thank you so much, Jules, for having me. I'm so excited to, to be on this podcast. I can't wait to um, to have a chat with you. Yeah, I want to find out all about you. So let's just start for anyone that's listening. What is it that you do now? Tell us a bit about your business. So I have just launched the Helping Hub, which is a platform for people to gift each other products and services when they're going through a challenging time. So rather than gifting someone um, flowers, you can gift them things like washing services, cleaning services, meal deliveries, um, in-home massage, any, basically anything that's useful, meaningful and purposeful. Oh, such a clever idea. I can't even tell you when, when you, you first told me that and I was thinking <laughs> back to when my babies were born and how I was saying to people, please give me a week of, of, of cleaning rather than flowers. Yeah. So yep. it's just so great. And there was hardly anyone doing that at the time. You couldn't find any companies to help you with that. Okay, Thank so, you. So, so, yeah, super exciting. So why did you set it up? Um. When so the, the, I guess the, the the story behind it is that when my mum um, was you know devastatingly dying of cancer, actually about thirteen years ago now, um, at the time my boys were six months old and two, and I was running a national business with twenty staff, and I just needed help. I had my then husband was was a shift worker, um, and I needed food in the fridge and cleaning and washing, and all I wanted to do was be with my mum. And, um, you know, and I just thought, my God, wouldn't it be amazing if there was one place that every single time someone said to me, how can I help? I could send them to this place and everything on there, um, would be something useful that I would really need. And then it would make them feel amazing that they've gifted me, um, uh, you know, the help that I actually need. And I would feel fantastic knowing that I'm getting what I need. So that's the backstory. That's how it, uh, how it came about. I love it. Although I'm very, very sorry to hear that about your mum. Thank you. Um, So was there a particular light bulb moment though? Was there something that just tipped you over and you went, for God's sake, if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So what what, what happened? There was probably a couple. Um, So the very first one, and I will never, ever forget this moment. I was, I was literally sitting in traffic on punt road, driving to work. Um, Mum had already passed at that point. And, um, And I just was thinking, I was reflecting back on the time that she was sick and I thought, my God, you know, my friends constantly asked me, how can I help? And I really didn't feel like I had the help that I needed, you know, or even mum's friends were saying, what can we do for you? And I'd turn around and I'd ring them and I'd say, could you please come and help me with the boys so I can go and spend time with my mum? And they'd be like, oh, look, we can't do it tomorrow, but I can come in two weeks time. And I'd be saying, oh, thanks so much. But you know what? Mum will be dead by then. So that's not going to help me. And as morbid as that sounds, it's exactly how it was. Um, so yeah, it, there was this literally this light bulb went off, and I went, "My God, wouldn't it be amazing if one place 
everyone could and you could have a wish list on there I was just going to say that's the other bit that you is, yeah. is there, I don't even know what I want but if you were to give me a list I could go down and tick and say yeah cleaning Absolutely. would be great and so would be meals and oh, yep. that's so, so we good. give you some ideas of what could help when you're going through that particular challenge um, and it doesn't have to be an illness you know the 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 beautiful part about this is it's not just for the people who are unwell, but it's for the people who are caring for them as well, who just as much, if not more, need the help yeah. um, because you end up, you know, running two households or, you know, pets and you name it. Like there's so much involved with it. So um, that was, yeah, that was the light bulb moment. I was, as I said, on punt road just going, that's it. We need Amazing. to do something about this. Amazing. Now, you did say there was another one. Can you remember what the other one was or otherwise we yeah. can just? Well, it, it, I guess it comes to the, you know, to the end of my story because it's, um, you know, having mum die was really the very first adversity out of a number of them that really got to, got me to this point. And so I actually started the business back then, right. um, but I, I didn't have the right model in place. It was quite different where I was the one um, you know, doing, oh, the, doing support, the helping, right. doing the support services. So the model wasn't quite right. I also didn't have the financial backing behind me to be able to get it off the ground. Um, and at the time, you know, the boys by then were, were, you know, probably two and four roughly. Yep. Um, and it just wasn't the right time for me to do it. So I, I, I parked it and I knew that I always wanted to come back to it in some way. Yep. Um, and I just didn't know what that looked like. And so I, I you know, ventured into palliative care and, and did a number of other things around that. And long story oh, that's short. That's so funny. I, 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 just, I just know that, sorry, when you're talking about venturing into palliative care when my dad was dying, those mm. palliative care nurses were so mm. amazing that I, mm. I can totally understand why you did it because I think I had a moment where I went, that's what I want to do. That's what really makes a difference to people. Well, and that's the thing. All I wanted to do was help people die. Yeah. You know, and it sounds morbid, but it is such a beautiful journey that is is almost um, taboo, and and it shouldn't be. You know, it, it really is just that natural part of life, and the hardest part is because it is relatively taboo. Or we just don't research don't, it enough yeah, and we don't talk about it, it. Yeah. and don't experience it often. Um, thank goodness. People, thank goodness, exactly. But people just don't know what to expect. They don't know how to help. They don't know what to do in that position. And yeah, so so that's ex- essentially that's what I wanted to do. And then, um, you know, uh, it, I guess the journey actually started before mum, um, two years before mum was diagnosed. Well, it actually wasn't, but it started with my brother-in-law, Rob, who um, was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 35. Oh, God. And my sister at the time had, I'm so sorry, Freddie. Okay. No, no, it's okay. We've we've got puppy squeaking his toys. (laughs) Um, My sister at the time had, you know, four kids under the age of 10. And that was just a devastating journey on its own. This was before I had children. And so I watched my sister lose her husband and was left a widow at the age of 30, 30, I can't remember. She was just 30 or 31. So young. um, And her, she had four children under 10. And Rob, Rob was my big brother. You know, he'd been in my life from the age from my I was ten when he came into my life. So really for me, losing Rob was the catalyst. And then less than twelve months after Rob died, 
<clears throat> mum was then first diagnosed. And it was oh. like, oh, my God. How yeah, can get me while I'm down. How it's- can this family, you know, we've just, we haven't even let Rob, you know, he, he was still warm, you know, before yeah. mum was diagnosed and you just go, oh. oh, how do you, how do you deal with this? So there was that adversity and then, um, and then, you know, I went through, um, so, you know, I'd experienced, I suppose the beautiful part about the helping hub is I've experienced adversity on so many levels that I can relate to it on every path. So we'd lost Rob. We'd then, you know, I, I then lost mum. Um, I then went through a divorce, um, and it certainly oh. wasn't, it definitely wasn't a nasty divorce, but it was a it's life, a obviously step, yeah. a life changing, Absolutely. you know, out of, out of losing mum versus divorce. Uh, my divorce was the hardest, hardest life experience I've ever had to endure. Um, right. and you know, I, I was, I was still in love with my husband at the time that, that we separated. So, Oh God. Yeah. Very, was, very hard. That was devastating <laughs> for me. And, and, you know, sometimes it sounds terrible, but it would have been easier if he had died because mm. every time you have to see them, it's like ripping the scab off, um, off an old wound. And, and yeah, so really, really difficult to go through the divorce. And then um, obviously childbirth, I've, you know, been a new mum and I've experienced childbirth. And then, and then also um, I had a life-threatening um infection a number a couple of years ago and so I was the person then in hospital and who needed help and I was hospitalized for five weeks so I was three weeks in hospital and then two weeks of hospital in the home and at that point I was a single mum and I couldn't ask my sisters to come and wash my undies like that's you know yeah it's it's too much. And God, it, you really had one thing after another, didn't you? Now, before well, I mean, we go too much, that was much- a, over an exp- you know, over yeah. expanded over sort of thirteen years. But those were the things that happened. No, I know, and- but it's it's still all right. So now, before we go into those sort of little bits and pieces, let's go mm. right the way back because <laughs> okay. I am guessing that when you were at school, you didn't say, "When I grow up, I'm going to have a helping no. hub." So, no. can you take me through your whole career? I'm always fascinated to know all the wiggly, wormy kind of parts of the journey that um, take you to where you are now. So what happened? When did you leave school and what what was that like? Okay. So I I went right through high school. Um, I finished school in 94. So I'm Mm -hmm. showing my age now. Don't start calculating that. Much younger than me. I can make you feel better if you like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But look, I was very, very blessed with a beautiful childhood, um, incredible parents and two very loving sisters who are still my rocks. Um, So really had an amazing childhood and then um, went straight from school into uni. What did you want to be? What did, what did you want to do at that stage? What did I want to be? You, do you know what I actually wanted to be? Um, <laughs> when I was a little girl, I, yeah. my dad got us into snow skiing and I loved cooking. Right. So I had it all planned out. I was going to be a chef. Um, and a, and a ski instructor. So ski instructor by day. And then I was going to work, I was going to work at one of the, you know, one of the, um, 
a, chalets a, or lodges or whatever. chalets and I was going to be the chef by night. You know, I had it all planned. Yeah, it sounds so. perfect. I love the way we plan things when we're younger. My brother yeah. and I were going to buy an ocean liner and we were going to live in it with all of our friends because we'd worked out all those cabins. It would be so it much fun. Sink. <laughs> okay, so what actually happened then? What, what, so did, what, you, what did you study happened. at uni? Um, I actually, I studied business management and then I did a postgrad, um, dip in, uh, marketing as well. So, um, okay. so I went on to do, yeah, post, post uni, uh, or sorry, post, um, postgrad, uh, studies. So at the time though, what, what actually happened is I started working very, very young. So I was selling shoes, um, at the sunshine market with my older cousin when I was eight. And wow. Yeah, I just had this passion. Well, I had a passion for shoes, which never died. <laughs> that bit I can um, understand. The standing yeah. around in a market when you're eight and selling them is maybe not quite so um, glamorous. No, but I loved it. And I would still remember ringing my grandma, you know, my nana um, on a weekend, probably five or six weeks before my birthday and really ha- getting my hustle on and saying, Nana, there's another pair of boots that I would really love. Do you think you could give me, you know, an early birthday present or, you know, put money in for those shoes so, so funny um yeah so that kind of my sales my sales role really started at that age and then um I was I guess back then I didn't think I was so lucky but mum and dad started the business you know um bloom fabrics and had bloom fabrics for years and she, mum started, I think I was in about grade four when she started, when they started it. And anyway, that developed into, ended up being a household name for ladies, um, upmarket, um, haute couture and, and bridal dress fabrics. Oh, and, wow. Um, that's, a, that's a really interesting niche that I didn't even know existed, but there you go. Yeah. Well, it doesn't anymore, well. but. Yeah, well, yeah, in right. fabrics we we but we started off in remnants and offcuts right. of sheeting wow. and lycra. Like it was it, to watch this business morph over years and years and years. I was actually really blessed, um, and I can look at that now. Whereas back then, I was like, "Oh my god, mum and dad have to work again." Yes, and I so know. we started working on school holidays. For, you know, really, really young, like ten. I was running the register and 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 helping in in the business, and so I really helped from a very early age. And it it, it became quite serious when you know, as a teenager. Saturdays were, were work. I didn't do anything else. My friends would say, let's go shopping. And I'd be like, no, I've got to work. So, so Saturdays and school holidays so, were so it was in a the proper business. job. It wasn't it was like a you, job. it wasn't no, no, helping got, out so no, that you no. could go away with friends on the odd weekend or go to the movies or whatever. No. No, no, right. it was a job. We worked, um, my middle sister and I, my older sister by then had, had basically had already moved out. I think she moved out when I was 15. Right. Thank God. We became friends the day she moved out. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's why I was so close to Rob. He was the middleman between us. And, you know, every time we fought, and, of course, I always got, oh, was got that away. sister, right? Yeah, got so, away with murder. So, what, so did, you, did you work in the business after you graduated? Yeah. So what happened was while I was at uni, um, mum, I, I was applying for post-grad jobs um, or graduate positions, and I actually – um, was weighing one up with uh, weighing a job up with ANZ, and I wanted to follow my middle sister and go into a corporate career. And mum and dad turned around and they said, "Look, you know, your other two sisters aren't interested in the business. How about you come and join us and learn every facet of the business, um, and eventually take it over one day?" And I thought, you know what? 
not quite sure why I made that decision, but that's the decision I chose. Right. So, and there were pros and cons to that decision that spanned throughout my career really until this point. Um, So I I literally, while I was studying, I went and worked with mum and dad. Um, I I did then work at Maya. Um, my yeah. first job was at Maya Melbourne back when they had the food hall in Lonsdale Street, which doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. And that's actually where I met my husband, Cam. Right. Um, yeah. So so it really went into Bloom Fabrics and I literally learned every facet of the business. So I was, I was really fortunate, you know, learning accounts and importing and exporting and warehouse, warehouse sales and retail sales and marketing and you know, all yeah, the everything whole you need to know. So finance, the whole gamut. So right. really, 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 really fortunate in that respect. And and then I literally um I ended up taking it over in the year two thousand. Um was it two thousand? Yeah, it was two thousand. The the business went through um a voluntary administration. Which again, with you, I was because very... of you, with your parents. <laughs> when did that happen? No, not because of me. Well, I would hope not because of me, but no, I was definitely there. Um, I was, I think, twenty four at the time, right? And it, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think it dad ever recovered from that. It, right. it took such a hit on his pride, and um, uh, it was such a learning journey, really. Uh, um. Lots of you know, lots of insights that that um, really, I guess, helped shape my career as a business person. But so basically, at the age of twenty four, I became a director of this business. That's amazing. Which was incredible. Yeah. But honestly, you know, hindsight's wonderful. My God, if I could do things differently now. But you know, I was running. So I was running this business. That, you know, we had thirty staff at the time. Wow. We had three three stores, um, and we were importing. So we were importing from all over the world and exporting nationally. Um, and eventually, we we were to um, oh, so exporting to New Zealand. And then we before I closed the business, we were exporting worldwide. Right. Um, and it was just, uh, it was a roller coaster. It was a constant roller coaster. And so, mum and I used to travel a lot. We used to do all the business trips together. Um, and fast forward, you know, to the point where mum was diagnosed, I had to, you know, I had babies. Um, my middle sister ended up ditching her corporate career at the time. She was where she worked. Um, so, you were, sorry, let me went, just clarify. So, you stayed in the business through having babies, getting married, all of that sort of thing. How long were you all in? How long did you run I it for did. then? Um, so I was part of the business for 15 years. I ran it for 10. I was right. director for 10 oh, years. right. Wow. Yeah. And I did leave once. Um, so I had my first job out was Maya, but I was still part of the business. And then yeah. the second job I went and worked with Mistral uh, International, which I don't think exists anymore, but they were a homewares company. Yeah, I know, Mistral um, fans. Yes. That's <laughs> what I think Exactly, of. exactly. Right, okay. Um, so I went and did a very short stint with so Mistral. So huge retail I- background for you really. It's yeah. Very, it's really, really interesting. And what, a, mm. what an amazing education. So what happens when that all when that when that all disappears and you decide to move on from there? So well, much of your identity must have been wrapped up in that business. It was, and and it was really really difficult because each time I thought I had itchy feet and wanted to go and find something else, the 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 fact that I was multi skilled but I had only ever worked in a family business 
put me into this box where people couldn't look outside the square. And in actual right. fact, I was probably more skilled and talented than half of the staff yeah. that they had sitting in their corporate roles. It's funny, it's funny about employer, potential employers or HR people and mm. um, and, and their oversights. So I think most people listening to this probably can relate on some level to, you know, the fact that they just don't seem to so, sort of value the things that are actually really important. Yeah, really interesting. And it's so interesting because I remember I was listening to one of your podcasts a few weeks ago um, with another incredible entrepreneur that you had interviewed. Uh, I'll find her name. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, was, I can't help you because there's so yeah, many of them. you've got so many. I know, I know. I'm sorry. Anyway, right. um, and she, she had a very similar experience. You know, she didn't fit into a box. And I remember listening to it going, oh, my God, that was that's, me. That's it. Um, so I didn't fit in a box. I do remember a number of times through my career going, is this it? Uh, is this all I'm going to be doing? Am I yeah. just going to be sitting in this family business for the rest of my life? And I right. did a couple of times feel a little bit stuck because I had then taken it on as the director. Um, so that was an interesting journey. And then really, I suppose when mum, when mum died, um, obviously that, that I, I, I mean, there were a few times I remember traveling with mum and, and going, Oh my God, I want to be a personalist, a personal shopper. I want to, I want to shop for men and, and give them these amazing <laughs> wardrobes because there's so yeah. much out here in, in Europe. And, you know, at the time I was like, men just don't know how to dress. You know, I just want to be a personal shopper for men. And, I always had these creative ideas. I was quite creative and um, from that perspective and, and loved working with colour and, and creativity. Um, anyway, so from there, what happened was <laughs> when mum died, I just went, you know what? So, sorry, you were I, still I, in the business when mum died. Is that? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Okay. And, and I continued it for about three years after she died. And I just kept thinking there's got to be more. There's, I, I just, it didn't feel right to me to be selling fabric and making people look glamorous when there's so much more under the surface. There has to be more, you know, and that yeah. was probably the real catalyst for me to just go. I, I also am very fortunate. I, I was really, um, you know, I had the, the insights to be able to look at what was going on in the market. And back then, you know, th this was through the, when China was really, taking off. Um, and, and the whole industry was changing. And I, I saw, I recognized that there were three, three or four options we had. I could either watch this massive sink, uh, massive ship slowly sink. Yeah. I could sell the business, but I didn't want to sell the family name. I could walk away with the family name intact and have our heads, heads held up high and walk away with something knowing and sort of preserving mum. Yeah. Um, or we could diversify, completely change the structure of the business, move premises and remarket and rebrand what we were doing because something had to change. Right. So because what did you we were retail and wholesale. Yeah. Well, I chose to walk away. I chose to close it, walk away, end of an era. It was 24 years in, in running. How was your dad with that? Was he, is he still alive? Yes, he is still alive. Did you break um, he, his heart a little bit? No, I think he was relieved. He yeah. had walked away from the business, you know, much earlier on, probably a good six years. Because once what happened was when I went to Mistral, mum rang me and she said, please come back. She said, right. I can't do this without you. I don't want to do this without you. Please come back. And I said, 
unfortunately, there's there's only two ways that's going to happen. It's me or the highway because I'm not going to run the business alongside Dad yeah. because we clash. We're both, from a business similar. perspective, very similar. <laughs> yeah. um, and we just couldn't have two personalities running the business at the same time from that perspective. Oh. And so I said, I can't do it alongside Dad. He, he either needs to step back. Um, or you find someone else to do this. And so dad essentially stepped back. Wow. Um, which he was ready to do anyway. His yeah. heart was no longer in it. So I don't feel bad saying that no. because I knew I knew that's where he was at. Um, and so. So what was the next step after that? So, so you got out of the business. Mom, yeah, I started what we call now, what I called back then butterflies in bloom, which right. was essentially the helping hub, but a little bit different. What happened with Butterflies in Bloom is that it started becoming more of a much more of a care agency than the model um, of helping people in the way I really wanted to. Right. And I I just I didn't want to become a care agency. That wasn't the plan. And and as I said, um, my, my boys were very young, and it, it, I was working ridiculous hours to get this off the ground. Um, and it wasn't. It just wasn't the right time. So I parked it. Um, I had no idea when I would ever come back to it, but I always knew I wanted to. So then I went into palliative care and I became a personal carer. Yeah. And I worked as a personal carer for some time. What What was really sad for me was that unless you became a nurse and actually went and did nursing, there's really very little from a care perspective that you can, that you do, can do in palliative in palliative care. Um, and I, I mean, the, whole, the whole medical the whole medical thing I think is so. People these days, uh, they're so worried about um, litigious, you know, that people will sue them for things. And I mean, my dad was an obstetrician and he loved it so, so much. But Mm. I remember just before he retired, that was precipitated by the fact that they were going to make you pay insurance for 21 years after you retired in order to be covered for the, you know, those odd occasions where something awful happens. It's often not the doctor's fault, but they need the insurance so that the child or whoever it is is going to be covered. So the same thing with um, caring, I think, you know, if you did something tiny that mm. was illegal you know you you just yeah it's it, it's yep. all so fraught yeah and and of course there's so with palliative care there's so much to do with medications and and, and yeah. administering excuse me administering um medications so so sorry um, right. so it's um yeah so that was really difficult because I all I wanted to do was help people die but how do you do that without being a nurse and so I I did become a personal carer and I helped some incredible people um through their end of life journey and it was such a blessing um but then again like I really did start becoming the agency and that's not what I wanted to do so I I eventually went and worked with um I got a job with Cure Cancer Australia Okay, and I became the the state manager for Victoria for their um, fundraising arm, which at, uh, was called Can Two Run and Swim. Okay, and interestingly, Can Two still exists, but they don't. They're an independent. Um, they're an independent, not for profit. Now they're not just um, affiliated with Cure Cancer Australia, but they are still. There is still an affiliation, but it's not a sole affiliation. Okay. So that. That was really worthwhile because um, I, I was always into exercise at the time, you know, and, and always have been my whole life. So 
It, but it was also really something cool. completely different from fabric, completely, completely different, different from running your own company, just yep. to be able to go and work for someone else for a cause you believe in and yep. it, it to be able to leave it there at the end of the day, I guess, would have been yeah. such a novelty for was, you, I'm sure. <laughs> it was and it was really it was really rewarding. I the the hard part for me was that my boys were then three and five. Yeah. And my then husband was, you know, still working shift work. Um, and so what happened was there was, and because it was a not-for-profit, there was a lot of outside hours, oh, right. um, a lot of outside hours, I guess, expectation that was unpaid, which was totally fine, but it ended up meaning that I was paying more for babysitters than I was earning, yep. um, you know, to, to be able to do what I was doing. And so it just became a really, you know, frustrating um, point because, I loved what I was doing, but it just wasn't right for my your life family. At the time. Yeah. No. And so, so what did sadly, you do? I left. What was, what's next? I left. I then went into what did I do then? I went into sales. So I I, was, I started selling Thermomix. Okay, as you do. Yeah, as you do. <laughs> um, it fit my lifestyle at the time. It was, you know, it. It was just right. I loved cooking. I, you know, cooking yeah. and ski instructor. So I loved cooking. Um, it, you know, they were, they were great. So I actually became a team leader really quickly. And I have to say, I was actually really um, successful as a Thermomix consultant. Um, so I why didn't you st- stick with it? What, made you, everything what I, made you stop? I'm always, you know, everything I put my heart and soul into, I'm always really passionate about. So um, what made me stop? Again, it was, it just, it wasn't right for my family. Like I did it, I think, for four years. Okay. Um, And then we were renovating our house. I went into, I did go into a role. I just had enough. I was burnt out. Yeah. Like I, you know, it's great. Um. But it just, you know, it got to a point where I was burnt out and, and I just didn't want to keep doing what I was doing. I'd sort of had enough. So um, I then went into still in a sales role. What did I end up? I started studying nutrition. I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to be a nutritionist and it can work alongside the Thermomix. But it also what I wanted to do is do nutrition and then work that back into palliative care. Yeah, Okay. You know, palliative care was always in my mind. Um, So then wanted to do nutrition and then I stopped that. I'm entrepreneur, right? I have a million ideas all the time. Um, So I stopped that. I maintained the sales and we were renovating our house at this point. This is around 2014. Um, So we were renovating the house and at the time my builder said, um, I'm going to open an office and I need someone to run it. And I said, well, who are you going to get to run it? And he's like, I've got no idea. And I said, well, I'll do it. He's like, really? Will you? And I said, yeah, why not? Let's do it. Um, and he goes, yeah, well, it would just be a part-time role. And I said, well, that's yeah, perfect because I can still do this thermomix if I want to. Um, I've got the boys were at school. Um, you know, Cam was still working shifts. So, yeah, great, let's do that. So I started at um, the office with Adam and I had an absolute ball. Absolutely loved it. I was doing three days a week, school hours. It was freaking perfect. Um, and then it then became four days a week. Um, and then I started studying interior design. 
Of course you did. <laughs> right? Because we had just renovated our house and we it looked beautiful. We'd done a great job and everyone kept saying, oh, my God, you should be an interior designer. And, I, look, I always had this flair with colour yeah. and design, you know, through the fabrics and that kind of thing. So, my God, I feel I, my head has never been so big. I feel like I'm, like, talking about myself right now. But anyway. Um, it's fantastic. I'm absolutely loving it. But can, so what, let's, let's just so, go. So you – what did you do interior that design, got you through to Helping Hub? Helping, so interior design, I then just went, um, then I went through my divorce. Right. So I had to stop interior design, which was really interesting because I finally found something I absolutely loved, was working in a job that was fantastic and then just went, oh, Can't deal shit, with it. there's my marriage. Yeah. So... Um, right. You might come yeah. back to it. You never know. Or somehow or other Helping Hub might start no, offering don't need interior to. design kind of, you know, let me do a changing rooms in your house for you. Yeah, don't need to. I was like, <laughs> no. I just could not. Whilst I was going through my divorce, I was like, I can't even imagine starting a business right now. So anyway, that working with Adam got me through um, for another t- couple of years and then I finished with Adam um, he was moving premises and I said, well, I'm not moving with you. I then went into digital marketing, um, had a digital marketing franchise for about six or seven months and then went my next aha moment was I was on a, a retreat called Nurture Her yeah. um, with my digital marketing and I um, – I heard this incredible speaker called Catherine Hoke and she was basically um, her whole purpose was all about um, people um, reforming prisoners. Right. So prison reform, she'd spent her whole life doing prison reform and I just went, oh, my God, this woman is so on purpose right now. She just completely inspired me and I said to her, I went up to her at the retreat, we were in Fiji, and I said, you know what, I'm coming to prison. I'm coming to do your prison program. And she's like, oh, my God, would you do that? And I said, yeah, I'm totally going to do it. And so I did. But in the meantime, I was at this retreat and I just I came home and I thought something's missing. There is something wrong. And I realised it just it was an aha moment and I realised I wasn't fulfilling my passion or purpose. Right. And I remember doing a, a, a <clears throat> Facebook Live to the group um, from Nurture Hair, and I just said, I'm not fulfilling it. I have to go back to palliative care. It's got something to do with helping others. And I literally walked home and I got home from doing that live and the business model hit me. And I went, that's, that's it. it. And, right. I and, have, how, and now how far are you away from launching or have you launched So we it? are, we do have a soft launch live, um, but it's not, it, you know, it was still beta testing um, and I'm now in the process of the second site coming live and the second site's about four weeks away. Oh, perfect. So for everyone. And that is going to be screaming and shouting. I can't really? wait. So for everyone that's listening, we're just at the end of September in lockdown now in Melbourne. So we're probably looking at end of October-ish. I will try and get, uh, we're about two months behind with all of our podcasts, but I'll try and get this one up around that time so that um, you can tell people about it. So now that you've told me about the journey, I've got some other juicy questions for you. Go for it. Along the way, have there mm. been, other than your mum, who obviously sounds amazing and she was a mm. huge influence on you, but are there any women that kind of stand out? I always like to ask this question 
because this is called She's the Boss After All. Um, <laughs> talking about women that might have helped you on your journey. And if not, it doesn't matter if there aren't any that stand out to you, but just ask the question anyway. Look, I think through my childhood and adolescence, absolutely my mum. Um, I still every day think yeah. of the lessons that she's taught me. Um, my sisters are always, yeah. you know, through their own lessons, I love learning from them. Um, and then probably you, more so with the Helping Hub than any other kind right. of job that I've ever done um, has absolutely there's there's been um, a number of, of females who have been really inspiring. Um, I mean, Anne Miles, you know, Anne, you know, yes. she really helped me start the journey. Um, Sarah Nally has been an incredible help um, from a friendship perspective, but we went to prison together um, and I right. met, I met, yeah, I met Sarah at Nurture Her. A lot of the women who I met at Nurture Her, um, Jane Peacock has been another one. So, you know, there's oh, some good. incredible women who, who really uh, have been part of the journey. Well, I'm a firm believer that, that in my experience, and of course my experience is with entrepreneurs and startups, that women are incredibly supportive of each other. But the more women I've been interviewing, the more I'm going, oh, maybe it's not the same in corporate land. So the fact that you've pretty much always been in business um, as well, uh, it's not surprising that we've had fantastic women because I do think that we all want to see each other, you know, succeed. All right, yeah. now. And I think that the, the other thing, Jules, just quickly, yeah, is yeah, podcasts. Listening to podcasts has been a massive inspiration and part of my journey um and really really helpful so i love you know even just listening to inspiring women on podcasts such as this one um right. is incredibly helpful oh good mm. all right so um talk to me about these days how you're juggling work and life so you're about to launch um a website that i imagine has taken up a lot of your time but you're a single mum you've got two boys so, and I'm, you know, you're almost exactly the same as me because I've got three, but boys, but otherwise it's, it's pretty similar. What do you do? Are you separating work and home life or, and saying, okay, I'll work nine to five and then my evenings and my weekends are with the boys or does it all bleed into each other? You know, because that's just the way it all works. Well, do you know what? Lockdown has been, or, you know, and COVID has kind of been a blessing in some ways where you're not getting up for the Saturday sports and the after school runarounds and having to work yes. around, you know, all of those <laughs> things. So I definitely blend. Um, I've become much, much better at it in with the helping hub than I have with any other job that I've done. And I think that's just through growth and learning. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me, Jules, is that I have, and I think that's why I've had a number of different experiences is I've always said I didn't, have children so that I could go to work. Yep. And so I've always had to put, um, regardless of what job I was doing, I always had to, you know, put a, put it around my boys and, and, and work around how is it affecting them and their life. Um, and I think a big part of that was because mum did, um, for you a lot of not well she oh. did but she didn't. And so I did feel that there were times where mum wasn't there. Right. Um, and work came first and I hated that feeling. So okay. I really wanted to try and blend that with the boys. So now it's, you know what, when you're an entrepreneur and you work for yourself, uh, I'm blessed that I have time away from the boys and therefore I make sure I work, get most of my yeah, stuff done when they're. Then. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now that sounds pretty good. Okay, here's a funny one out of uh, out of nowhere. Really, is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? I've heard so many extraordinary things. I love this question. Um, oh I think it, to be fair, Wendy Hargreaves gave it to me. Um, <laughs> and yesterday, even yesterday, I was speaking to I can't remember who I interviewed yesterday, and I, she was saying, "Oh no, I can't think of something." And then she went, "Oh yes, I had dinner with Robbie Williams," and I went, "What?" <laughs> so all sorts of. Are there any strange or wonderful things that have happened to you? It doesn't matter um, if there isn't. I don't want, I feel like I'm putting you on the spot now. <laughs> let me come back to it. Okay. Let me think about it. I don't know. Quirky fact. Oh, oh yes. Okay. I um, was told I looked exactly like Winona Ryder when I was, <laughs> you know, 18. Oh. I was 16. My sister and I were in in Indonesia at the time and we were in a shopping centre and we were trying on shoes, of course, back to shoes. As you and do. This shop assistant looked, took out this magazine and um, said she was trying to say you look like Winona Ryder and thought my sister was saying that and there was right. a picture of Winona Ryder on the magazine. And so all of a sudden all these shop assistants thought that I was Winona Ryder. Oh, and so we're walking around the shopping centre and all of a sudden I've got all these little, you know, these lovely, gorgeous Indonesian women following us going, hello, Winona, hello, Winona. Oh, and I'm God. like, oh, my God, what has happened here? So they, I had really short hair and they all thought I, I was Winona Ryder. Oh, so I that was my I can imagine yeah. that, but how freaky. It just goes to show that, you know, fame isn't everything that you'd want it to be, is it? Oh, God, I mean, no. On the one hand, you look at them and I go, oh, I want the holidays and the free this and lots and lots of money. And on the other hand, I'm like, and I want to be able to go down to the shops or the supermarket with no makeup, my and hair no just bra, out of bed, and, no yep. bra, and not have one person <laughs> talk to me. Anyway, yep. I guess it is what it is. Okay, now just the last couple of questions, um, which are kind of silly ones. So do you, are you a phone user have you got useful apps that you use for business on your phone that you want to um, share um other than uh, you know don't do email and banking because they're boring no I was just gonna say probably LinkedIn is one of the best apps yes um, well that's one of my faves these days yeah totally and past diary because I cannot remember passwords to oh, save myself. Oh, is like LastPass, is it? So LastPass is the one I use, but it's a, it's a remember a your lockable, passwords thing. Yeah, a lockable, <gasps> a lockable app. And I can't get away without my meditation apps. So Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, and so then the other thing is do you play any games? Do you have fun stuff that you do on your phone or is that – not really your thing. <laughs> well, do you know what? Pre-COVID, I probably would have said Tinder or, you know, Bumble. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's games and fun. Because what I get else that. do you do for games on your phone, right? Um, but now there is one, sadly, it's uh, Jigsaw, Jigsaw Ooh. HD. Uh, so I love doing Jigsaws. And, I, and it's a Jigsaw, literally, online Jigsaw, is it? Yeah, yep. Fantastic. So online, online Jigsaws. So that is... If I play games on my phone, that's it. That's what I play. Well, that's a great one. Well, Jackie, what a fantastic interview. I loved hearing your story and I love <laughs> Thanks, your sense Jules. of purpose. And you're the first person I've spoken to that had to, not had to, but chose to get back into their, to run their parents' business. I only know of a couple of people that have done that. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's very brave because there's a lot of, um, 
not expectation, but there's a lot of history that comes with it that it's very hard if it's your own family to break out of, I guess. So good especially on you for doing clo- it. Especially closing it, you know, you, you're closing something that didn't start as yours and that was that was really tough. But, I reckon. Um, look, I reckon you put ten years in. I, I don't think there's a lot of people that would just would would say in any other way that you didn't give it a red hot go. And you true. know, and it was all meant to be because the helping hub is super important, and it's yep. just amazing. And I love what you're doing, so I can't wait for it to launch so that I can help you scream and shout it everywhere. Thank you so much, Jules, and thank you so much for the interview. I've had a ball. So, oh my um, pleasure. Really, right. really honoured to be invited. Thank you. Oh, just before we go, what's the best way for people to get hold of you and or the Helping Hub? Let's assume so, it is live by the time this comes yeah, out. Yeah, sure. It is um, thehelpinghub.com. So with a T, with a the in front of it? Yes, thehelpinghub.com. Okay. .com, yep, great. Um, and email directly through through the Helping Hub. Cool. And obviously yeah. you're on LinkedIn because it's your favourite app. <laughs> and I am on LinkedIn as Jackie Bloom. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.